Some enrollment periods for public health insurance options are closing soon here in our area, and amid the pandemic, access to health care has become all the more vital. But navigating the options can get complicated. So joining us now to help with that and explain local coverage options is Jessica Sanchez, a navigator for Prince George's County Health Connect, helping connect people with insurance options. Jessica Sanchez, thank you for joining us. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, Thank you, Kojo, for extending the invitation for PGC Health Connect to be a part of today's conversation. Jessica, tell us about your work as a navigator. What does that entail? Right, yes. So uh, I am a navigator for PGC Health Connect. So we work with uh, residents of Prince George's County in Maryland to help apply for insurance. And we like to review the different options available to consumers, because I know it can get a little complicated when trying to understand what we are eligible for, when trying to understand what we can afford. So as a navigator, um, me and my colleagues, we kind of walk everyone who calls in uh, through the process of determining that. What are health insurance options through Maryland's Health Connection Program, its public option, and who qualifies? Yes. So um, that's a great question. So Maryland Health Connection is the state's official marketplace to um, purchase health insurance and dental insurance as well. And um, it is one application. Um, Luckily, it kind of reduces the stress of trying to figure out what you qualify for. Through that one application, we'd be able to see, um, taking under consideration the size of your household and the income of the household, And um, also looking into um, legal status of individuals, we will be able to determine if you are eligible for Medicaid, which is the state's uh, medical assistance program. We'd be able to determine if you qualify for a paid plan with financial aid. And um, sometimes, unfortunately, individuals may not qualify for Medicaid or financial aid, but um, they are still eligible to um, apply for a private plan. You're talking with Marylanders every day. How has the pandemic changed these conversations? Are more locals looking to enroll in insurance because of the current health crisis? Yes. So with everything that's been going on, given the circumstance, I understand that Everyone feels a bit vulnerable to the pandemic. So we have seen an increase in um, people who may not have considered health insurance in the past because it may have been seen as, um, you know, as an additional cost um, of living. So um, we do see an increase in the number of people who are calling in and saying, you know, I want to get signed up for health insurance, never gone through this process before, and they they want to see what it's all about. Um, so we have seen an increase in the number of calls, but we've also seen kind of a shift in the types of calls that we're getting. So unfortunately, we have heard repeatedly the narrative of individuals who have lost their jobs. And unfortunately, um, they've also lost coverage through their employer. And and or they may um, now be underinsured. So they are going from full-time to part-time, so they may not be eligible for those employer-sponsored coverages. Mm-hmm. So um, now they're kind of looking into the resources that are available to them as Marylanders. So they've been 
calling in and we've been guiding individuals through the process. Um, people who were previously not eligible for the state-funded uh, Medicaid program now are eligible due to the um, loss of you know, a, a big amount of income that we've seen all throughout um, the state. And I know that you know, other, other states have also seen it as well. So the pandemic is kind of changing the kind of questions you get. Joining us now is Mila Kaufman, the executive director of the D.C. Health Benefit Exchange Authority. Mila Kaufman, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. First, tell us about the D.C. Health Benefit Exchange. This is the district's public plan, correct? Yes, we are the Affordable Care Act online health insurance marketplace here in the district called DC HealthLink. We cover about 100,000 people and more than 5,100 employers in the district, and that includes about 20,000 residents with individual health insurance coverage. What are you hearing these past months as a result of the pandemic? How many people enrolled a year ago versus today? Well, as a state-based marketplace, the advantage we have is uh, when COVID-19 hit, we made a local policy decision to open up our system. Even though it was after last year's open enrollment, we opened it up and we said any district to get insured can come in and get coverage. And just looking at our data, comparing April 5th of 2020 to 2019, we had an increase of 71% in residents enrolling in private health insurance coverage. Quite an increase. What does the DC Health Benefit Exchange Authority offer? We have 25 different health plans available to our residents. 15 of those actually have lower premiums, so cost less than last year. And about half of our plans have no deductibles for things like your visits to primary care physician or mental health provider or specialist. Uh, We also have all of our health plans covering COVID-19 diagnosis, testing, and treatment at no cost to the patient. So that means no deductibles, no coinsurance, and no copayments for COVID-19 diagnosis, testing, and treatment. Mila Kaufman, as you said, the exchange offers insurance coverage to individuals and families as well as small businesses. How can D.C. residents find out if they qualify and what's the deadline to enroll? Go to dchealthlink.com. The deadline for residents to enroll is January 31st. If you want February 1st coverage, then you have to sign up by January 15th. Now, employers have all year 
to enroll in small businesses and nonprofits can come in anytime. We have 163 different plans uh, for employers in the district. So keep in mind that the deadline is for residents and the deadline is January 31st. And just go to dchealthlink.com and all you need is residency to be eligible. Jessica, is the process similar in Maryland too? And what are the deadlines Maryland residents should be aware of? Yes. So um, there's actually three ways for individuals to enroll. Uh, The first, we um, use the Maryland Health Connection phone number where they actually offer assistance in over 200 languages. So um, the number is 1-855-642-8572. For individuals that feel a little more comfortable with um, navigating the application on their own, there is an application online on MarylandHealthConnection.gov. Now, to step it up a bit, there's also a mobile app that is super user-friendly and can be downloaded on any smartphone. Got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Kishan tweets, thanks for starting with Jessica, navigator working at the grassroots level to get people covered. Navigators do such important work. I'm Kojo Namdi. This month at WAMU, we're lifting our voices to shine a light on black changemakers throughout American history. Some you know and some you don't, but they all change the world. Go to wamu.org slash lift every voice to learn the stories of these incredible African-American changemakers and to hear special interviews spotlighting those who have impacted the arts, sciences, sports, and activism. Go to wamu.org slash lift every voice. Welcome back. We're discussing the public health plans and the enrollment period for some of them that may be ending soon. We're talking with Jessica Sanchez, a navigator for Prince George's County Health Connect, helping people connect with insurance options. And Mila Kaufman, the executive director of the D.C. Health Benefit Exchange Authority. Mila, what if someone misses the enrollment deadline? How can they get covered? Well, you don't want to be without health insurance, especially now. Uh, If you miss the enrollment deadline, you may still qualify for Medicaid coverage. And again, just go to dchealthlink.com to see if you're eligible for Medicaid. Medicaid is the public insurance program that's available for district residents. Also, as a state-based marketplace, we adopted a special enrollment period for COVID-19. So if you do miss our deadline during open enrollment, uh, you'll have another bite at the apple. Essentially, you can still come in later and get enrolled, but please don't go even a day without health insurance coverage. You just don't know if you or your family members may get sick. Mila, how is public health insurance different from private health insurance? 
Uh, public health insurance, Medicaid, is completely free to you. So you don't have premiums you pay, and you usually also don't have other out-of-pocket costs like deductibles, co-insurance, and co-payments. And private health insurance uh, we have available from different insurance companies, uh, but usually with private health insurance, you do have to pay a premium or a portion of the premium if you qualify for premium reductions. Joining us now is Dr. Bazem Khan, the Executive Director of Neighborhood Health, which is a federally qualified health center with locations in Northern Virginia. Dr. Khan, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kojo. It's great to be on the program. Virginia does not have these same state-run programs that we've been describing in Maryland and the district, but there are still other local and federal programs that Virginians have access to. Can you tell us about those? Certainly. I mean, the first the first thing I want to mention is that in Virginia as well, um, if anyone wants to sign up for health insurance um, and has recently lost their work or for some other reason, um, the place to go is coverva.org or covervirginia.org. Um, there's a phone number that people can call as well to see if you know anyone qualifies for Medicaid. Um, and even though our open enrollment period has ended, if there's a change, um, you know, sort of a changing life event, like, um, you know, someone's lost work, there's a change in income, um, you know, change in number of family members, um, then one can um, enroll for the private marketplace as well, and it's a federal marketplace. So like in many other states, there are options in Virginia, even though the open enrollment period has ended. Um, in addition to that, in Virginia and in other states as well, in D.C. and Maryland, there are other options for people who don't have health insurance. Um, one um, option are federally qualified health centers. I work at one in Northern Virginia called Neighborhood Health, where we serve people regardless of whether or not they have health insurance. So we provide primary care, primary medical care, but also dental services, mental health, medication assistance, HIV services, um, counseling, case management, and a lot of these services are available to people who do not have health insurance and they make less than 200% of the federal poverty level. So people who are low income, there are multiple federally qualified health centers in Northern Virginia, um, in DC and Maryland. And the program overall serves about 11, um, about 30 million people across the country, about one in 11 Americans and about 250,000 in DC, Maryland and Virginia overall. Here is Stephanie in Woodbridge, Virginia. Stephanie, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I just wanted to call in and say, first of all, thank you so much, Kojo, for everything that you do. This is just another example of a very important topic that you bring to the public's attention. Um, I wanted to call to emphasize it because um, just a little bit over a month ago, we lost my sister. Um, she had a very manageable health condition, asthma, um, but she lost her health insurance and um, she was, she for some reason did not avail herself of the opportunity to go on a public market that, like the ones that you've discussed today. Um, so she had an aggravation of her asthma and then an asthma attack in the middle of the night that ended up causing her her life. And um, so I just really want to take that moment in this personal experience to really encourage your listeners to go ahead and do this. You know, it might seem like a lot of paperwork or it might seem like something 
that you don't have time to do. But if our loss taught me nothing, it was how important health insurance is. Thank you very much for sharing your sister's story with us, Stephanie. And obviously, you have our condolences. Um, and thank you for calling. But Dr. Khan, a lot of people think they don't qualify for certain programs and are then surprised that they actually do qualify. Why is that? And what do you want people to know? Well, first of all, Stephanie, thank you for calling in and um, our condolences. I, you know, as a physician, I've seen stories, um, cases like this um, over over the last, you know, several years where people um, didn't have health insurance, they didn't know they qualified for a program. And then by the time they come and see us, their conditions have worsened. And, you know, usually the hospitals end up referring people to us after they've had a heart attack or a stroke or some other event. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of the healthcare system in our country where, you know, these types of things don't happen. There isn't as much cost sharing as there is, whether it's a, it's a public solution or a private solution. But given where we are, you know, I completely agree with the point that um, there are options for people to take advantage of. And, you know, whether it's signing up for insurance, um, a lot of people don't know that they're eligible, whether it's um, taking advantage of a program like a federally qualified health center, a free clinic, even the hospitals have charity programs that are available to people, sometimes up to 400% of the poverty level. Um, so, you know, people making even higher incomes than some of these other programs where, you know, care can be discounted or even free. And what I recommend is that when someone thinks they might not have access to something that they really should ask and try to look into programs. But even when people receive bills, they should call the hospital or they should call the healthcare provider and ask if there are any charity programs in place. Because often what we've seen is people don't know that such programs exist and they end up paying more than they should. They end up facing a lot of stress or even worse, they end up not seeking care. Um, the same thing with medications. We've seen so many people spend so much on their medications when all they need to do is talk to their doctor to switch them to a medicine that, you know, is equally effective but costs less or take advantage of programs, you know, from the pharmaceutical companies where the cost can be brought down or medications can even be free. I wish the system weren't like this. I wish it was more simple, but people just need to ask and try to, you know, figure out how they can take advantage of one of these multiple programs so that they get the care that they need. Here is Nancy in Rockville, Maryland. Nancy, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Do you know of a navigator or advisory service for the uh, menu of federal employee or federal retiree uh, eligible um, insurance companies? I've been with uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield forever and ever, both as a wife of an employee and as as a retiree and and then as a survivor, <laughs> but I'm still with Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I may be uh, going uh, moving overseas as a as a resident uh, next year. And I wondered if there's an advisory service of the eligible um, companies which may be better for a person. Well, you know, Nancy, every year around the month of November, we generally run a program because that's when federal employees have to re-enroll or renew their insurance, and that's when that usually comes up. But I don't know if any of our current guests can help you. Jessica Sanchez, know anything about federal employees? Um, for federal employees, I do believe it would be uh, separate, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, is uh, Mila Kaufman, are you there? Same yeah. thing? Y yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. 
yes, Nancy, you should definitely connect with Office of Personal Management, OPM. Um, that's the federal agency that handles uh, federal programs, and they should be able to help you. Thank you very much for your call, Nancy. I want to move on to Vivian in Washington, D.C. Vivian, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Yes, hello. Thank you. Um, so I missed part of your question, but it was on health care, and I want to join in on the conversation. Um, so my family is Kenyan, and we moved here about 10 years ago. Um, now, because my mother had to start from minimum wage, you know, building herself up, we kind of fell into the low socioeconomic class. And because of that, we couldn't get insurance um, because she didn't have the money. And because we weren't as knowledgeable of how the system in the U.S. works, we never sticked it out until we needed it. Um, now, growing up, I went to college, I got it, um, and then I whipped it off because it was expensive in general tuition. Um, but now I'm 24. I'm recently 24. I turned 24 on December 31st, and I still don't have insurance. Um, but I have a few thousand in medical bills because I've had to go to the hospital for a few things. Um, so, for example, I was a victim of female genital mutilation in Kenya, and I got the reconstruction surgery here. And because I didn't have insurance, that was a credit card or, like, a bill they sent me. Um, so all this stuff, and then also not learning about it in school, um, and only seeking it out once you go into the real world or, or like once you need to go to the hospital or see a doctor and then that's when you get educated about it. I feel like that's pushed me very back um, in respect to progressing with society and, you know, being on top of my things and transitioning into the adult life. And you still have a lot of debt from medical bills, Vivian? Um, so, yeah, for example, um, the first big medical thing I got was a... FGM reconstruction surgery with Dr. Marcy Bowers in California. Um, so yeah. she did it for free, but you have to pay for the operating room. So that, yeah. and then I had a kidney stone, um, and then I was attacked one time. I had to go to go to the hospital. So well, all this, they just keep piling up. Um, now, Vivian, you now, do you now live in the District of Columbia? I do. Um, I recently moved here for school. Mila Kaufman, Vivian has already piled up these bills. Is there anything that the D.C. Health Benefit Exchange Authority can do for someone like Vivian? Um, so, Vivian, I'm I'm glad you live in D.C. You have options. First of all, let's make sure you don't pile on additional bills to what you have now. Uh, uh, well, happy birthday, first of all. Um, you have options. So, depending on your income, you can qualify for our Medicaid program, which is up to 200% of federal poverty level. So, it includes low and moderate income wage earners. If your income exceeds that, you can qualify for premium reductions through dchealthlink.com. Now, um, and this is uh, generally for everyone. If you are undocumented and therefore cannot qualify for private or uh, Medicaid coverage, we have the Healthcare Alliance program that covers DC residents who don't qualify for other programs. So I would urge you to go to dchealthlink.com and figure out what you qualify for. If you want help, we have free help available to you, just like Jessica and Marilyn. We have our own Jessicas. <laughs> and all of their information uh, is on our website if you prefer to talk to someone by phone or a video uh, uh, a visit. Uh, 
If you connect with us um, after this program, we will do some basic research and help put you in touch with other local resources that may be available to you to help we, to help you with your current uh, medical debt. So please follow up with me afterwards. Vivian, thank you very much for your call. And so you can remember, Mila Kaufman is with the D.C. Health Benefit Exchange Authority. And Vivian, good luck to you. Jessica Sanchez, a lot of people struggle when it comes to choosing a plan. What are some basics you lay out to help people compare plans? Yes. So uh, the first things first, I kind of like to address the um, insurance jargon that kind of intimidates people when applying for health insurance. So um, first, I do like to explain that there are different tiers of coverage. Uh, The first tier being the bronze tier, and it goes all the way up until the platinum level. And the way that we differentiate these plans is mainly Um, We'll see the difference through the deductibles and the deductibles are um, kind of like the the contract price that you agree to paying out of pocket before the insurance kind of begins to kick in their their major coverage. So um, the, the lower that you're paying monthly kind of leads us to know that you're going to be paying more out of pocket, so higher deductibles and higher co-pays and co-insurances. Um, and the more you pay monthly, the lower your um, out-of-pocket expenses typically are. So um, we also work with big name companies, uh, insurance companies that most people will recognize, such as um, Kaiser Permanente, Aetna, um, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, insurance companies, names that people recognize. And the prices will vary between these companies. So we give consumers the opportunity to compare the cost to choose something that um, is budget-friendly to them because we know that not everyone's budget is the same. Dr. Khan, if a potential patient shows up to one of your locations looking for health coverage, what options would that person be offered and is everyone guaranteed coverage? So the first thing that we do when someone shows up, even though we serve patients who don't have health insurance, the first thing we do is to make sure um, that we check to see if they are eligible for any type of health insurance. Um, The reason for that is simple, because even though we serve people without health insurance, um, there are other services that they may need, especially specialty care, which we don't offer ourselves. So if they had health insurance, it is easier for them. And then, of course, there's less cost sharing. So we check if they qualify for Medicaid, going through the same process that I talked about. We check to see if they qualify for any private insurance on the exchanges. And then if they don't qualify for any health insurance, we check their income like other federally qualified health centers and similar programs to see if they make less than 200% of poverty. If they make less than 200% of poverty, then we put them on a discounted sliding scale whereby they can get all the services that we offer for very much, you know, for very discounted rates. Um, and that's the same process that all FQHCs across the country follow. Um, and then with free clinics, while they don't take people with insurance, they follow a similar process as well so that patients can get services there. You know, one thing I'd like to add is there are ways to see um, what health center is in your area. Um, it's on hrsa.gov, hrsa.gov, and you can look up you know, which health center is closest to you. 
And then there's also a website for free clinics as well, um, where you can put in your zip code and see what clinics are close to you and then are able to just give them a call. We got a listener who asks, if you lost your job recently, how do you prove that you qualify? Your most recent tax returns will show your previous income. Mila Kaufman? Um, so during open enrollment, you uh, you don't have to prove anything. You just come in. You just need to be a D.C. resident. Uh, if you live in Virginia, um, you do have to have proof of Oh, we're still having trouble with Mila's line. But Jessica Sanchez, can you give us a few, well, can you answer the same question? Yes. So um, in the event that a uh, consumer is trying to apply and has lost their job, so they find themselves not having, um, you know, tangible proof of income, we do have um, affidavits that have been created to meet um, the circumstances, um, even though everyone has unique circumstances. So um, mm -hmm. if they have uh, currently have no income, there is an affidavit that they will sign off and um, attest to having zero income, and that will be suffice to um, fulfill that. Here now is Lisa in Tacoma Park. Lisa, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Okay, good. Um, I lost my job due to COVID back in September, and first I went with COBRA for a few months, but it was prohibitively expensive. So then I went on the Maryland Health Exchange, which was great, and it turned out I was eligible for Medicaid. So I'm still looking for a job, and I actually got a job offer yesterday, um, but the insurance, the health insurance, won't start until April 1st. So I don't think that I can stay with Medicaid while I wait for the other health insurance, to, you know, the employer health insurance to start, so I'm not sure what to do. Any advice for her, Jessica Sanchez? Yes, that is an excellent question, just because your narrative is parallel to that of so many Marylanders. So um, what happens is once in, uh, a change like that occurs, um, you do have to call in to report the change that you are now employed. But, but we do understand that there may be that gap in, in the coverage period. So we just update your information to make sure that we have your most up-to-date income. Um, so if it changed from zero to X quantity, we'll update that for you. And I'd like to point out that even if you may not be eligible for Medicaid, um, there are still there is still the option that you may qualify for a paid plan with financial aid. Um, I'd like to point out that nine out of ten Marylanders who apply through a Maryland Health Connection actually qualify for financial aid. So that financial aid helps lower the cost of your premium, and you're eligible for that up until um, your employer-sponsored coverage begins. And um, sometimes even people with employer coverage are still eligible for coverage through um, the state of Maryland. You'll just need to provide us with your insurance information through your employer to see if you're eligible or not. Dr. Khan, at Neighborhood Health, you work to reach underserved communities. What do you do to gain people's trust? I think in healthcare, trust can be gained through 
long-term relationships with people um, and a sense that you've been there to serve the community and you're going to continue to be there and that patients can rely on you. Um, and, you know, one thing I'll say is health professionals in general, they go into healthcare because they want to help people. And all you need to do in some ways is let healthcare professionals do what they do and interacting with patients and showing patients that they care. And then you build trust over time. We've been around for close to 25 years. Many of the other FQHCs and free clinics have a long track record in their community. And when you've been there for such a long time and you serve them for such a long time, people in the community do come to trust you and there is word of mouth and they know that you're there um, and then they can rely on you. But it takes time, it takes effort. Um, and that's one reason why I think primary care is something that's so important. You know, as, as our healthcare system is more fragmented and, um, you know, in retail stores, you know, different options are opening as well. You know, there, in some ways, there isn't a substitute for a primary care physician or nurse practitioner or primary care team um, that a patient can rely on. And even though someone might not need a primary care provider at this okay. point in time, um, it's important that they have that relationship in case they do get sick in the future Got and it. need important advice. Got to interrupt because we're running out of time very quickly and Mila Kaufman is back with us. Mila, how does someone prove that they qualify if they've lost their job recently? Uh, during open enrollment, you don't have to prove anything. And if you're a D.C. resident, we have different ways that um, you can show you've lost your job. Uh, and we make it as easy as possible, including attestation option. Mila Kaufman is the executive director of the D.C. Health Benefit Exchange Authority. Mila Kaufman, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Jessica Sanchez is a navigator for Prince George's County Health Connect. Jessica Sanchez, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And Dr. Bazam Khan is the executive director of Neighborhood Health. Dr. Khan, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Today's segment on enrolling in local health plans was produced by Ines Renikis and our conversation about prospects for D.C. statehood was produced by Richard Cunningham. Tomorrow, tune in for NPR special coverage of the impeachment proceedings in the House of Representatives. That coverage starts at 9 a.m. and will continue throughout the day. Until then, thank you for listening and stay safe. I'm Kojo Nam. The Kojo Nomedy Show is produced by Julie Deppenbrock, Sydney Grannon, Lauren Marco, Kurt Gardinier, Richard Cunningham, and Ines Renike. Our managing producer is Ingalisa Schrobsdorf. Our broadcast engineer is Rashad Young. Today's engineer was Mike Kidd. For past shows and more content, visit kojoshow.org. WAMU 88.5 is your listener-supported NPR news station in the greater Washington, D.C. region. You can support the Kojo Namdi Show and all the regional coverage you value by becoming a member today. Click the Donate button at WAMU.org and thanks.